0: My name is Fortune Teller Baba, and you're listening to the Hermit Style
1: Podcast. Now,
0: where's my
1: brother? I need my ten zenny back with fifty-seven years' interest. Welcome to the Hermit Style Podcast. Talking all about the Dragon Ball Supercard game. From competitive play to the world of collecting. With your host, Jimmy Bacon. Yo, yo, yo! What's up, everybody? Hermit Style Podcast. We are back. It is Friday, December 10th. We've got an absolutely stacked episode today. We have a very special guest. I've wanted him on the show for quite a while and we were finally able to link up and collaborate on not just this but even more future projects but we have joku on the show it was a pleasure getting to speak with him getting his takes on so many different things from competitive play to collecting to his story which is just absolutely bonkers about um, his start into the game. And yeah, it's it's a fantastic episode with a lot of actually great information. Whether you're, like I said, whether you're a collector or a player, great information on both ends. Um, so definitely stay tuned for that. And uh, we have a ton of news. You know, last week we did our Nats recap episode, which was great. If you haven't heard it, go check it out. I went through my Nats run and also, more importantly, we had Nick to talk about his run at Nats. Uh, which was obviously incredible. He made top 16. Uh, But today I'm going to break down all of the topping lists from all of the different finals. Uh, We'll break this down in the news segment and talk about what percentage of what decks, different colors, all kinds of things. We do a nice deep dive. I think you will enjoy it. And uh, we've got some other news too. So let's, uh, let's hop into it now.
0: News from the lookout.
1: All right. And to start things off. I came to bring you some uh, presents. And boy, did Mr. Satan deliver. We have some huge giveaways. We've got three currently active. Two you already know about. One, you probably don't. So let's talk about all three. Make sure you get all your chances to win all of the dope things we're giving away this holiday season. To start it off, we've been running the giveaway with bristlecone spice company if you're not in that hop on instagram you can check out the hermit style podcast page we have a post up and we have them tagged in it uh you you just look for the picture of the roshi with the santa claus hat it's pretty obvious which post it is on there Uh, but you can go on you can enter through our instagram or theirs all you have to do make sure you're following both of us like the picture and comment with your favorite dragon ball card And that's it. You're entered. The winner will get a Dragon Ball-inspired spice and hot chocolate set, perfect for the holidays, plus two secret gifts that they are including in there that I have a feeling will be Dragon Ball-related as well. Uh, So definitely jump in that and show them some love. And then second, this one's a little bit newer. We just announced it a few days back, also on Instagram. Uh, This is from actually a friend of ours, C. Irv Collects on Instagram. He donated a ultimate box. So one of the the ultimate boxes sealed with everything in it and a BGS graded 9.5 long odds SS4 Son Goku. So a graded slab is in this giveaway. So definitely jump in that one as well. Um, All you have to do, go to the Instagram. You'll see a picture of it. You'll see a picture of the slab and the box. That's the one you want to go to. Like it, make sure you're following myself and see Irv collects. And then all you have to do is comment with what card you would like to see. what Rather, what character you would like to see as the new god rare, or I believe now they've changed it to campaign rare. But the new rarity that's coming out with the next set, supposedly it's supposed to be super, super rare. We actually talk about it later in this episode. But let us know what character you would like to see on the card Tag three friends and you're entered to win. Um, you have until December fifteenth to enter both of those giveaways. That way, hopefully, we can get them to you in time, um, and you get them before the at least before the end of the month. Hopefully, end of shipping. It's kind of crazy around this time of year. Uh, but we have another giveaway that was just announced today. If you missed the announcement, it was on Joku DMD's YouTube channel. Um, definitely go check that out. But I'll give you the TLDR. Um, Basically, we're doing a video series, uh, myself and Joku, where it's like a tutorial. It's a how to play Dragon Ball and we're breaking it up into three different videos. Now, we've both put together a deck. Uh, He's going to be playing Soul Striker. I'm going to be playing Starter Vegeta. And the first deck that we play with these leaders is going to be very, very basic. You can probably build it for 20 bucks. It's just skillless cards. The next one just adds in just a little bit to it just to add some more elements of the game. And then the third one will have a little bit of everything and a little bit of a stronger engine so you can do some powerful things with the deck. Now this isn't a deck that you're going to go and win a regional with, but it's going to be fun and powerful enough that you could take to a locals and have some fun with it. So as part of the giveaway for this, we are going to be giving away three of each deck. So there will be six total winners, and the last version of the decks will have an SCR. So that means there's six SCRs here up for grabs, everybody. Here's how to enter. If you want to win the deck that I'm playing, you have to post a screenshot of three different of your friends subscribing to the Hermit Style YouTube. So you have to get three of your friends and say, hey, there's this cool game. Go check it out. Here's how to play, right? Get them to subscribe and send, have them send you a screenshot. And maybe that seems like a lot. Guys, it's 2021. Come on. Screenshots are super easy. Tell your friend, take a screenshot, text it to me. Should take all of 10 seconds. Um, Then all you have to do is post your screenshots in the Discord channel giveaway, and that's it. You're entered to win the deck that I'm playing. If you want to enter the w- to win the deck that Joku is playing, same thing. Three friends. It can be the same three friends if you want. Tell them to subscribe to Joku's channel, send the screenshot, and post Three friends who follow Joku and now you are entered to win the other deck as well. That's all you have to do and you could win an SCR. We got six up for grabs. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait for this. And yeah, jump in. Uh, We are going to run the giveaway from now until January 1st, which is when the first video will drop. And better yet, two lucky winners of the decks will actually get to play and we will actually commentate your guys' match and post a video as well. So that's just an added bonus of what two of you may get to win on top of all the other things we're giving away. So definitely get in there. If you have any questions, let me know. Should be pretty straightforward. But if you do have any trouble, I am more than happy to help. All right, that's all for the giveaways. Now that that is done, we can get into some other news, which, uh, hey, Big Hermit style news. We've announced three new members of the team. We have Giancarlo, Sublet, and Trey Faircloth all have jumped over to Hermit Style. We are so stoked to have them. I'm excited. Um, I've been wanting them on the team for a long time. Everybody knows John Carlo and Sublet. They're um, they're very closely tied with Hermit Style. They're always in the Discord. They've been on the show a bunch of times. And um, yeah, just super excited to have them three on. And all three of them did extremely well at nationals. John uh, Carlo and sublet both top 32 and Trey made top 16 uh, I can't maybe top eight as well I can't remember off the top of my head but regardless phenomenal finishes from all three of them and we're honored to have all three on the team And the last piece of hermit style news we have kicked off the hermit style winter league uh, It's definitely not too late to jump in. We're going to be running it for almost a month. I believe so Definitely plenty of time to hop in there. It's pretty cool to set up. Uh, This was all Nukin Foob's idea, member of Kami House Security. Shout out to him. If you guys are enjoying it, definitely show him some love and thank him for setting this whole thing up because it really is awesome. Basically, we have 10 different community members who are our quote unquote gym leaders and you have to play them to earn their badge. You know, kind of like Pokemon. Um, You'll already know what deck they're playing ahead of time. Everyone's uh, leader is listed in a channel. That way you can play a deck that maybe is a little bit better because you can play any deck you want and you can change at any time, okay? They will ping everyone when their gym is open and then if you would like to play them, you just let them know and they put you in a queue and then they let you know when it's your turn to play. And if you beat them, you get the badge. And when this is all wrapped up, anyone who has earned a minimum of eight badges will get to play in an exclusive tournament at the end to compete for a ton of prizing, including a guest spot on the podcast, a spot on the YouTube channel, and a ton of stuff. XP, hermit style merch, the whole nine yards. There's a ton of prizing for this So definitely don't waste any time. Jump in. And it's fun. It's after Nats. It's like a fun kind of more casual setting. Everyone's just kind of hanging out. And uh, just a different way to enjoy Dragon Ball. So hopefully you guys like it. I think last time I checked, there was over 50 already participating in the league, which is super dope. Uh, It's unlimited space. So if you would like to participate, jump in and then just make sure you obviously have your notifications on so you get pinged anytime a gym leader opens their gym. Now, outside of Hermit-style news, we have Worlds this weekend. Uh, If you did not know already, basically first and second place from North American finals and first place from all the other finals will be competing to see who is the best in the world. Um, Obviously, for us, that means it is Andrew Duvall and Jarrett Lopez who are going to be representing North America. And, um, yeah, it should be awesome. The first match starts, again, this weekend, so Saturday. At 9 30 a.m., I have an event up in the Discord. So anyone who would like to jump in the Chamber and voice channel can all hang out as we watch the match together. Should be cool. So definitely jump in. Uh, I don't know when the other matches will be, I think they're spread out throughout the day, uh, but I'll do an event for each match of Worlds so everyone can hang out with each other and, and watch the matches. Which, speaking of, the last thing I want to talk about in our news section today is all of the results from all of the finals what I did I compiled a list which shout out to I, I think the site is called um, top deck diffusion uh, I'll, I'll put a link in the in the show description but they did a ton of work I believe the guys are from France and they put like every single topping list uh, I think the only one that looked like it was missing a few was Asia I think there's like two lists but either way they got an insane amount of information and put it out for everyone for completely free so shout out to them I uh, I used that and I just did some real basic just statistics on what topped, what colors topped and what this kind of format looks like now, because realistically, Nats was the first big tournament with the new set. So I'm excited to share those results. Um, we'll start with the leader breakdown. So the most popular leader that was played throughout all of the finals that topped was Gogeta Zeno. Uh, that's not too surprising. Uh, I I didn't think it would be number one, but I knew it would be up there. So not too, too surprising. In total, there were 15 Gogetas that accounted for 21% of all the topping decks. Um, obviously very strong deck, you know, Nick from our team topped with it, made top 16, um, Thought it would have been a little lower just because it's so RNG dependent, but knew it would be pretty high up there. So not all too surprising. Uh, In second came Icarus. No surprise there. That was the deck that won. Uh, We saw 12 total, which accounted for 17%. I think everyone thought this was going to be a little bit lower down. So it is surprising that it was second. Uh, If I had to guess, I thought... I don't know, well, I guess, I guess it's, it makes sense now that I'm kind of looking at all the lists. I personally thought that there would be more Soul Strikers. Um, I thought Icarus would be more about like the same as Cell Surge, but there was just so much Cell Surge hate, which, speak of the devil, third place, Cell Surge, seven total lists came up with 10% of all the decks that topped, uh, one of them being Jordan Markle, who got third place at our tournament. Um, and then fourth, we actually see Yellow Sin, So six yellow Sins at 8%. This one wasn't too surprising. We thought that this deck would be well represented. So uh, I think that's probably an appropriate number for sin to get. Uh, Following that, we have Red Jiren and Red King Piccolo, both at four each. So that uh, was 6% each for how much representation they had. Uh, Moving down to the next tier with decks that there were three of, we had a yellow Golden Frieza and Soul Striker Blue-Yellow. That's 4% of all the decks. And then I broke out Soul Striker into different colors just because it can be so vastly different. So when we go to the next tier down, we see two more Soul Strikers. Uh, Mono Blue and Red Blue both had two each. And then also we saw Hatch Yak, Android 16, Majin Vegeta, and King Cold all with two each and all of the top cuts accounting for 3% each. And then we have our one-ofs, which the one-ofs are definitely one-ofs. These are some, uh, I would say, definite rogue picks, if you will. Uh, We've got Android 21, Dark Broly, Agents of Destruction, Red Gohan U7, Launch, and Green Broly BR. Uh, All decks that I would not pick to (laughs) be in in any top cuts of that. So super cool to see some rogue get in there. Uh, But yeah. So pretty diverse, uh, pretty diverse. If we look at everything holistically, I guess this is a bit of a humble brag. The top four leaders represented were the four leaders we picked on the roads on the Road to Nat series on this podcast. So I thought that was really awesome. Gogeta, Icarus, Cell, and then if you add up all the three different versions of Soul Striker that topped, there were seven total, which would tie that with the same representation. As cell search. So I thought that was really cool. Um, I also broke down the colors. So for as far as what colors are doing well. Uh, for black there were 19 total black decks. That accounted for 26%. Um, yellow there was actually more. Uh, 21 yellow decks. And that came out to 29%. So although Gogeta Zeno was the most represented deck. Overall there was more yellow. In top which makes sense. You know we have more yellow decks that are viable between Golden Frieza, Sin, um obviously Icarus. I did not include Cell Surge in that bracket. Cell Surge just remained the same as the only multicolor leader, so you know, Seven. Um but for red, there were 10 10 lists and actually blue had the same, so both had 10 lists in the top cut and that can account it for 14% And then in the last place, sadly and not surprising, we have green who had five lists total, which accounted for 7%. Um, And then I guess the last thing I'll say in regards to these results, again, they are not 100% perfect. I believe there are a few lists missing, um, but this is the vast majority. And then second, in some other regions, I know there were some pretty... um, I would say some seem pretty valid, uh, but there are some accusations of cheating out there. I know that there has been players banned. I do have no idea how that impacts these lists. I have no idea which lists would have been the ones that players who were banned for cheating were playing. I have no idea who, which players who were cheating that were not banned, what list they were playing. Um, I've looked into it a little bit, but to be honest, I don't care much. You all know my stance on cheaters they're awful people, they should not play the game, and if it is 100% proven with malicious intent, they should just be permanently banned from playing. Um, that being said, it is very difficult to prove intent. It is not difficult to prove that someone cheated, It is, but it is very difficult to prove intent. I'll give you an example. I was watching a video of one of our locals play. He should have put a card in the drop and he put it back into his hand. This was an honest mistake. We play all the time. This person never cheats. They're very honest. Um, But the internet was chewing him out, calling him a cheater. And I was like, this is crazy. It was just a mistake. So you have to understand there is a line, uh, right? There has to be a line that gets drawn at some point as to, okay, is this cheating? Like maliciously cheating? Or was it an accident? The issue is that where you draw that line is in, it's just everyone's opinion is going to be different. Um, people aren't going to have the same opinion on that, and as a company, they, you know, Bandai has to be very careful because if you ban someone who is cheating, who truly was not, that, in my opinion, is a way bigger issue because it's on me as the player to watch my opponent and look for cheating. Um, as bad as that sounds, cheating is just a part of card games. Like it's in every card game, every card game I've ever played, every almost every tournament I've ever been in, somebody's cheating. A lot of them don't get caught, but that just is what it is. It's just unfortunate when these kinds of things happen. But my stance is always, if it is proven and the malicious intent is there or there's a history there, they need to be banned, get them out. No one wants to play against a cheater, but I do just want to make sure that we all understand it can be hard to prove. So it's, it's, it's just a difficult situation. It's a tough situation. Um, to be in from, from every angle as the person. If you were the one who got cheated as the person, as the judge, as the TO making decisions, it's just difficult. So that's where I'll leave it. I don't think it's good to harp on these kinds of things. I think it's good to bring them to light. I think it's good to have healthy conversations about them, but ultimately it just is what it is. Um, All we can do as players is do things to guard ourselves, watch our opponents closely, you know, Cut decks properly. If you're on webcam, pick a random number each time. After they cut their deck, say, okay, now put eight from the top of your deck to the bottom. Do things like that. It's not being a jerk. It's just protecting yourself against cheating. If you see your opponent taking their hands off the screen, tell them, put their hands on the screen. If they take them off, call a judge. Say, judge, he took his hands off the screen. That's not being petty. That's keeping an account of what happened. Because now, if he does it again, there was already one time. If he does it a third time, now there's already been two times reported that the judge should be taking an action. So that's just the way you have to play it these days. You don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't have to be rude about it. But you you should be doing what you need to do to protect yourself against cheating. Ultimately, a lot of it can be caught if you are paying attention. Um, yeah, Like I was cheated, you know, <laughs> I was cheated by Alfredo, the legendary Alfredo. And yeah, I was I was angry, but at the end of the day, it's just, it happened like there's nothing I can do. And it was my fault that I didn't catch it. When I saw the videos, I was like, wow, I'm an idiot. (laughs) Like it was so blatantly obvious. I just wasn't focused on that. Um, so yeah, anyways, I'll stop rambling about this. Uh, my point was, I don't know how it impacts the results, but I think the results are pretty solid as far as what happened, what we have and what we're looking at. But with that being said, I hope this is helpful to you. I hope it paints a better picture of the format for you to make more educated decisions. Um, But let's head into the main topic. Turtle School Weekly Focus. All right, everybody. It is time, the main event. We are here with a very special guest. We've been planning this for quite a long time. We are here with the legendary Joku DMT. Hey, man, what are you doing? Get out.
0: This is not your time, man. Hey, hey, take it easy, man. What is going on? Oh, oh, oh my God. You can't scream on this show, man. This is the Hamas title podcast. Yo, 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 guys, get out of here. This is. I'm Joku. I'm here. I just wanted to come in. <laughs> and. Oh, uh, Nightmare Chambis. I'm Little Joe. Joe, get out of here, dude. This is. I got invited to the show, not you guys. I'm really looking forward to being here. Jimmy, thank you for having me on. I got this whole crew of guys. and... Sometimes I just get excited around a microphone, you know, so when I see it live. (laughs)
1: That was incredible. Oh, my God. Dude, welcome to the show, man.
0: (laughs) Dude, thank you, man. Thank you so much. You know, I, uh, I have heard of the name of the Hermit Style podcast for quite some time. So it's been like an archetype that's existed in my understanding of this community, but I didn't really know what it was about. And then I don't really listen to that many podcasts, but I enjoy them when I do. And my sensei Miguel and my senpai Hani were on here, and um, you guys referred to Hani as Hani, and I didn't even get a shout out. So I was like, you know what, I got to get on this show.
1: Oh no, that's <laughs> that's your that's your nickname for him. You came up with that,
0: dude. I, I laid down this hip-hop track to uh, to respond to um, C-Rod's Broly rap. So I made this hip-hop track, and when I was giving my shout-outs to my boys at the beginning, for whatever reason, I just said, Howlny, instead of Johnny.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I did not know the backstory behind that at all. That's incredible. <laughs>
0: He's a, he's a sweet boy, you know, so he's got that. He's got that. He's, he's like a honey man, you know, he's the
1: honey boy. <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh man, now I feel bad he didn't get the shout, but now, now we nah, can make dude, it, it right. Now better. we can I'm make here, it right, you know, making it
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're telling the story and Not everybody can appreciate the story, you know, that is true. Know where it's at, but anyway, yeah, they were on here and they posted a link to it, and I heard it, and I was like, dude. I want to listen to this guy all day, man. Like, I just want to, I want to wake up to yo, yo, yo. Like, if I could, if that was my alarm clock, I would have, every day would be a good day. Oh my God, you're too much. (laughs) 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 Oh, shoot, man. But yeah, since then, I've, I've jumped into a bunch. I've listened to a lot of stuff and I really like, um, you know, I feel like there's no part of this game that, that you avoid or like everything about it. It's such a you know there's so many people or players or individuals in this community and it's so easy to get sucked into one like niche or part of it like the competitive scene or the collecting scene or like you know the
1: for sure for sure yeah, yeah.
0: the yeah. just the art of it or or whatever and you know what's really cool about this podcast from what i've heard is like how many different parts of this game you jump into and i really like that because I'm a firm believer that the growth of this game is contingent on all of the parts of the community coming together. So it's an honor to be here and thank you.
1: Oh man, 100%. Absolutely. I'm happy to have you. And I'm glad you said that because we do try to hit on all the different aspects of the game because I don't, I I personally just love the game. Right. So like, I feel like I'm a competitive player. I also love playing Mm -hmm. stupid jank decks. I love collecting. Like I love the whole spiel. Like I love the whole thing of it. And, Even if you're, even the listeners, like people listening, I know we have some people who are just strictly competitors or strictly collectors, but the worlds intertwine all the time. So if you're knowledgeable in both, it's going to help you.
0: Absolutely. And like, you know, if you are a competitor in the game, that means that the majority of the people that play this game that buy cards and, you know, buy new decks and have their staples or whatever, like. More often than not, you're trading cards to get the new stuff. You know, you're not just sitting on all your cards. I think there are a few of us pirate captains that have (laughs) deep, deep, deep binders and binders of every single card ever in the game, but that's not the majority of the competitive scene. And, uh, and if you know, Those players that all had awakened powers that traded them so that they could build a deck for for set seven or whatever, and now all those cards are worth like, you know, 20 bucks for the whole deck, like it kind of hurts that that awakened power is gone. And now it's selling for three grand or whatever, (laughs) you know, but the more knowledgeable that the players can become about the collector's aspect then you know they're able to hold on to some element of value and say hey maybe i'm not going to flip this signature rare for like 200 bucks and maybe i'll hold on to it and then it's 700 dollars a year later or vice versa the collectors that don't really care about certain cards and then they start to see oh wait a second like i'm actually learning about the game whoa i don't care about this hit unison this kefla card is nasty Like once you can't, once these aren't in print and everywhere, like $10 for a beautiful SPR that's this powerful, like you got to be dumb to not get that card.
1: Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Like there's so many ways to go about getting the cards you need. Like the game at times is definitely not cheap, but it's very doable to get whatever you need if you're just smart about the decisions you make. Absolutely,
0: hundred percent. It's it's totally accessible, and the things that are really good are consistent. And Bandai is recognizing that. And you know, I think stuff like the Mythic Booster is a really great great product because it gives uh, a lot of new players accessibility to staples that are hard to find shiny. Because as soon as you start playing this game, like you're going to build decks, and then you're going to be like, wait a second, every single card can be shiny.
1: Oh, yeah. And, what? and come on now. The real reason to get Mythic Booster is that new Power Burst, baby. Do you see that Roshi on there? Oh, my God. Oh, my
0: God. I'll throw out a special one to you when that one comes out of the pack. I'll make sure. Make sure this, this one's for Jimmy Bacon and the Hermit. Oh,
1: my God. <laughs> I need to get like a little, like, tiny Hermit style glasses sticker and just put it over his glasses for the card. <laughs>
0: Dude, I, I, whatever reason, when I I started playing this game when I was in dental school, and I I had no idea how to, like, it's not an easy game to just, like, pick up and learn, you know? I, I donate, like, tons and tons of cards to all the schools around me here, and the teachers just like to give them to the kids for, like, doing their homework or whatever.
1: Oh, that's true. Really but none cool. of the kids
0: know how to play. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to sit in my attic, you know, and I'm not going to do anything with them. But eventually, I'm going to go to those schools when after COVID stuff, I'm going to go to those schools and give the kids like dental lessons and be like, by the way, all those Dragon Ball cards. Boy, right here in the shiny hat. <laughs> 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 now let me teach you how to play. But but anyway, it's not it's not an easy game to pick up, right? It's like pretty complicated. There's lots of interactions and real, I mean, if you've played another card game, maybe it's a little easier. But I I came from no card game experience. I mean, oh you know, wow, okay. At Pokemon cards. Never played another. I've played you know I've played like Old Maid. That's like about the extent <laughs> of my like card game <laughs> experience. But um, I love Dragon Ball and like. You know, I I found these cards and fell in love with the art. And once I started playing, like it was a matter of days before I was like, dude, like the majority of my deck can blind people. I absolutely want to throw so much glare. As possible, and and then you get these oversized mouse pads. Like, what is this world? You know, like this is amazing. (laughs) I want to have everything to do with this. I want to I want to take a picture of a card and put it on a t shirt, and then take a picture of myself and then put it on one of these mouse pads. Like, that's that's the life I want to live.
1: That's so funny because I was gonna ask you how you like got into the game, but it was just pretty much you're just Dragon Ball fan, and just the art was that wild. You're like, I got to do this.
0: Yeah. So actually there's a there's a full story and a truncated story so i'll try and give the in between version cuz i'm sure we're going to talk about more stuff but this is a pretty fun story for the people that haven't heard it in other places where i may have told it but um i was super into dragon ball as a kid like loved it you know turn i used to get up at 6am every morning and watch dragon ball watch these guys change their hair colors on the on a whim of emotion and then fly around and shoot blasts out of their hands you know it was like what better thing can you watch of course and then like it got kind of lame to be into japanese anime stuff he kind of got bullied for it in like seventh and eighth grade so i was like low-key into it and then i met this friend in high school my buddy pat and he was like dude it's like you're into dragon ball right and i was like yeah and he's like have you watched it in japanese and i was like no and he was like it's hilarious And I was like, okay. So we watch it in Japanese and I was like, dude, this is hilarious. This is like the funniest show I've ever seen. So I totally like loved the comic because, you know, Toriyama was a comedy writer. Originally, he wrote this story, um, Dr. Slump, which was like a gag comedy. And the dude was like loaded by the time he wrote Dragon Ball. But he liked like martial arts and Bruce Lee and stuff. So he's like, I want to write a martial arts story. And he wrote Dragon Ball. Didn't need to make a dime for the rest of his life. And it just like blew up, right? But the guy is a comedy writer at heart. And that's why in the Japanese version, a lot more of the comedy comes through. Anyway, fast forward to college. I go to college. I knew I wanted to be a dentist because I hated selling hats, which was like the first thing that I started making. And I was like, I should just do what my mom does because she buys me the yarn to make my hats. So if I have her job, then I can buy my kid yarn to make their hats and then they'll want to be a dentist. So <laughs> I should be a dentist. But I want to major in art because I got to be good with my hands to be a dentist. So I did an art major. And in order to get your bachelor's degree in art, you have to do an art history major. Lucky enough, there was, I went to this college called Pitzer College, Southern California, and it's part of a consortium. So there's like five colleges on one campus. So you get small class sizes, but a huge variety of classes. And at the girls college, Scripps College, there was a really, really amazing Japanese art history program. I took all of my art history and Japanese art history. And I got fascinated with woodblock printing, woodblock printing, Japanese woodblock printing is like some of the coolest tradition in art history, I think that has ever existed. And, um, I started realizing the connections between manga and woodblock printing and actually the original manga, the first ever manga, you know, that, that, um, that wave, that like really famous wave woodblock print. Okay. That's called great wave off Kanagawa by this guy named Katsushika Hokusai. And he was the one that coined the term for manga. The original manga really? was a book. Yeah, it was a book of just like faces, tools, things Japanese. It was like an encyclopedia, but just pictures. And he called it manga. And that's where manga comes from. It's a picture book that eventually started telling stories. So I wrote this research paper on Dragon Ball. And I went through, I read all the Dragon Ball mangas, which I hadn't done before. And if I recommend, if anybody has watched Dragon Ball and you haven't read the manga and you're a grown up, read the manga like that will the impact that will have it does more for you than certain things that people can put into their bodies to open their mind to parts (laughs) of the universe like read dragon ball (laughs) it's it's awesome anyway so i read dragon ball right so and i was like holy crap there's so many things there's so many like socio-cultural relationships that are explored through the relationship between like goku and vegeta right like Goku and Vegeta are both Sans, right? And there's like this, there's like this Chinese influence in Japanese culture. But um, Goku is like not a San, right? Because he bumped his head or whatever and forgot how to be mean. But there's this like inherent San nature in him. Just kind of there's like this inherent Chinese aspects in Japanese culture. But Japanese culture is so unique in its itself, right? So like... Vegeta's kind of like China, Goku's kind of like Japan, and the story of how they relate is kind of depicted in the art historical relationship between Japan and China. I don't think Toriyama necessarily meant to do that, but it's cool that that can be extrapolated from the story. Anyway, Whoa. just going That's into my fastapi. That's you like well, that like blew my cool. mind. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I'll send you the paper one of these days. I have there's it's like a 10-page research paper on it. It's pretty interesting stuff and it talks about Hokusai and all the inter- interaction stuff. But anyway, after college, you know, I want to take some time before dental school and I went to India and Japan for like a period of time. My mom's from India, so I wanted to like do some soul searching. India was really cool. I, I was fascinated with a lot of stuff there, but Japan like just resonated with me so hard. Right. And when I go to Japan, I go into one of these tour stores and there's like this machine, like an arcade machine. And it has like Dragon Ball stuff all over it. And I'm like, all right, like how do I play this game? And like, you know, I'm like asking people and they're like, oh uh, sorry, you know, and they like put their hands up like an X. And I'm like, what? Like, can I not play this game because I'm American? Like, what is going on? Like, how do I play this thing, you know? So I go into this this place called Yodabashi Camera, which is basically like a Walmart electronic store that's in every single train station in Japan. They have one at every, like, major station. And on the seventh floor, usually, there's toys, toys and arcade machines. So I ask, like, six people I start google translating stuff on my phone and eventually somebody explains to me like you have to come over here and buy this plastic card and when you buy this plastic card you can use this card and then you can put yen into the machine and then you can play the game this is dragon ball heroes and this was like I was wondering I was like is this heroes (laughs) yeah so you need a hero pass to play the game took me like 3 days to figure out how to get a hero pass. <laughs> I finally got one <laughs> and I started I started playing and I was like what like this just spits a trading card out at you like every time you put 100 yen in it gives you a card. And then I realized like you don't actually have to play through the whole level like you can just keep putting 100 yen in and it'll keep spitting cards out. So I just started like jamming coins in these things. Like I was just getting so many cards and then eventually like a shiny one came out and I was like, whoa, like shiny cardboard. This was like my, basically since like Pokemon when I was a kid, this was my first interaction with trading cards. And um, I love the designs. I thought they were just like so cool. You know, I w- I- how old are you? I'm 28. Okay, so like you remember when the internet used to make that noise that was like, "Oh yeah," down. you know, like the dial up. Okay, so- you remember, like, Google? All it the days of Google. playing
1: Pogo? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, like, it was like Ask Jeeves or whatever. Like, yeah. one of those websites <laughs> where you, like, look up pictures. You remember, like, looking up pictures of, like, Dragon Ball characters? You're, like, Super Saiyan 8, like, Goku yeah. or whatever. And it would, like, load, like, pixels, like, bars, <laughs> you know? So, like, the theory of, like, the characters that everybody wanted when we were, like, kids... I go to Japan and all these cards start coming out with them on them. I'm like, what's going on? It's Super Sans 3, Gogeta. Like, what is happening here? I need to know more. So I just, like, dove into this, right? So I started looking at all this stuff. I was looking at um, cards wherever I could. I started looking up card stores. And then I found stores that actually were selling the cards. And it was just, like, walls of, like, the CP promos and the secret rares and, like, everything and I was like, all right, my bank account is gone. Like, I'm buying everything on this wall. I'm getting every single card that I think is the tiniest bit cool. And I just bought books and books and books of these Dragon Ball Heroes cards. And at the end of my trip, this is where things get crazy, right? So you saw, you've we've met in person. And I plaster myself on the internet. So you know, like, I wear some pretty funky clothes.
1: Oh, yeah. Like... If you're at Nats and you couldn't find Joku, uh, you might need to get your vision checked. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I was like, I walked in and I was like, there he is. That's the guy. That is is the legendary Joku.
0: (laughs) So, like, what I wear now is, like, super toned down to compare to what I used to wear in my early 20s. I used to wear, like, all shiny holographic, like, like, iridescent like the bottom of like a cd kind of thing like crazy color rainbow Dude, that's color.
1: wild i
0: like, tie-dye <laughs> tights with like shiny shorts over them, like furry hats like i look like i looked like i like what like fell out of the 1960s and somehow landed in like, today's <laughs> age. like but somehow also like traveled through time i don't know but um i was in japan right every morning we'd go out and we'd get these pastries and i was going out to get some pastries and I see this huge guy sitting at, like, the corner of the street. And he looks like he's going to, like, mess me up, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm going to avoid this guy. Like, you don't see people like that in Japan. And people would look at me, but they don't stare. This guy was, like, eyeing me down. I was like, this guy's actually going to murder me, right? So I walk in every direction to, like, try and avoid him and f- try and find a pastry shop. And I end up, like, having to walk behind him. I'm kind of trying to, like, sneak behind him. And he's, like, he turns around. He's like, <laughs> he's like, Obra! Oh, where are you from? And I was like, uh, New Jersey. And he's like, bro, he's like, where'd you get those clothes, man? Those are crazy. <laughs> and I was like, uh. he's <laughs> like, I made them. And he's like, man, you got to make me some clothes, bro. He's like, I love colors. He takes off his hat. His hair is like bright orange. like, look at my hair. And I was like, all right, like, you know, I can get some pastries. And he's like, he's like, yeah, get in this cab with me. And he like gets in a cab and I'm like, all right, whatever. What? So, so you get in the cab? <laughs> yeah yeah oh so my we're, god he's <laughs> driving and he's like he's like you know who i am and i was like no and he's like here's my card it's like next time you're in tokyo let's go do some sumo stuff i was like okay what i like, get out of the cab right i walk into this pastry store i googled his name on my phone and i was like who in the world did i just get in the car with like what just happened this dude is like the equivalent of like michael jordan and shaquille o'neal in japan
1: no he was the
0: first non-japanese sumo wrestler to win the sumo championship he's like an absolute legend he's like on the um he's like on the children's show he plays like the equivalent of like bill big bird on like the children's language show in japan what? he had he's like he's an absolute legend like i've n- and basically like i hit him up and was like hey man like you know love to make you some clothes <laughs> so like he like he takes me to sumo practice and we ended up like really hitting it off so fast forward like a year from there right like i get back from japan and oh also the two days before i left japan the frieza movie came out and i actually saw the frieza movie in theaters and they had a newspaper that was like a dragon ball newspaper and i was like whoa this is sick like i want to read this newspaper so i bought the newspaper this is part of the story but anyway i'm in new jerry back in new jersey And there's this company called Rage On where like you could take pictures of stuff and make t-shirts. So I started taking pictures of Dragon Ball stuff and making Dragon Ball t-shirts. And actually the first Dragon Ball t-shirt that I made, I took a picture of the newspaper that I bought in Japan, right? It gets meta. This is an important part of the story. But anyway, I started playing Dokken Battle and I started screenshotting the Dokken Battle cards and then I started photographing my Dragon Ball Heroes cards and I started turning all those into t-shirts and I was posting them all online. And Kony, my friend, the sumo wrestler, He's like, he's like, bro, it's like, it's my big 50 second birthday, and I want to buy your shirts. I was like, okay, like, how many do you need? And he's like, all of them. <laughs> like, all right, like, it's like I have like 15 designs, they're like 100 bucks each, so I was selling for them for at the time. And he was like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I want all of them. He's like, I need uh, five extra large. i like, okay, so I make 15 five extra large Dragon Ball T-shirts and send them to Whoa. Japan to this guy. Literally, the only thing that he wears. He only wears my t shirts and they're all Dragon Ball. And he doesn't give a damn about Dragon Ball. Like, he does not. I mean, he thinks it's like cool or whatever. He knows nothing about the story, right? So there's like this idol in Japan walking around in Dragon Ball t shirts. (laughs) And like, he doesn't even care about the franchise. But like, the crazy thing is, dude, like, I'm convinced that this guy is like the closest living thing to Goku. Because. He came from Hawaii. He was not from the place he was from. He basically turned Japanese. He revolutionized the culture. There's this whole thing that happened about him, like not becoming ozeki or yokozuna. He was like ozeki. There's all this stuff about rank and sumo. But he basically like showed Japan that they were racist and like changed the culture entirely. And then like gained his respect back. Like the dude's an absolute legend. But he's walking around all the time in these Dragon Ball shirts, right? That are your Dragon Ball shirts. So, <laughs> my Dragon Ball shirts. Yeah. So I was at comic-con like a summer after this and i'm walking around at comic-con and they have a dbs booth and i see a height of mastery in the dbs booth and i'm like yo this card is insane like i've collected a lot of these dragon ball heroes cards but there is no card that looks like this card and i asked the guy i was like how do i get this And he was like well i have one in my car i could sell it to you for like 25 i was like no 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 it's like these are bu- it's in these boxes right like i can buy one of these boxes and open it like i could trip it and he's like he's like he, yeah and i was like all right like how many do i need to buy and he was like i don't know they're kind of rare i was like all right so i bought like six booster boxes right and then i'm standing in line and i'm standing i'm going i'm standing in line to play the super smash brothers demo this was before smash ultimate came out
1: okay okay and
0: the guy i'm standing next to he looks at my shoes he's like dude those shoes are sick and i was like oh thanks man like it's a dragon ball heroes card that i photographed and turned into fabric and sewed onto these ultra boosts and he was like I was like, there's a sweet-looking Dragon Ball game oh, over there. you
1: have Dragon Ball Ultra. Oh, my God. All right, we need oh, to yeah, talk yeah, after yeah. the podcast, right. bro. Yeah, 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 we'll talk. I have a video on how to make them. Also. Oh, my God. I'm not <laughs> smart enough for that, but we got to talk, bro.
0: <laughs> so so I'm like, I'm, I'm talking to this kid. I'm like, dude, they have these sweet-looking Dragon Ball cards over there. And he's like, yeah, I know. And he's like, have you ever played the game? And I was like, no. And he was like, you should play it. It's pretty good. I ended up actually playing this same guy online on Untap 12 months later. <laughs> and he he like put together the dots that I was the guy that he met at Comic-Con. And we're like, holy crap. But anyway, so I bought this game. I opened a bunch of packs. We were opening with our friends. And like um, my friend Willis was um, – he had played Yu-Gi-Oh! when he was a kid. And he, he, we kind of figured out how to play it. And then I started going to Locals. And I was like, yo, I love Goku and there's this ultimate box Goku that just came out and I can do this U7 jank where I can play Victory Strike on turn four. This card is insane. It kills you in one hit. I'm definitely rocking a play set of these cards, right? So I buy four Victory Strikes. They were $80 at the time. <laughs> and I go to Locals and I'm I... <laughs> pretty sure I was playing Jared, actually. Jared, the guy that got second. Yeah, yeah. I, I played him that night. He was one of the first people I ever played at Locals. But anyway. Actually, I don't think this was the first game I played, but he w- I played him that night. The first thing I charge is a victory strike. And the person sitting in the classroom is like, Bro, that's a flex. I was like, What? He's like, You're going like, to just put that in your energy. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I got four of them in my deck. Like, I'll see you one later. And he was like, Dude, you can't have four of those. I was like, What? He's like, It's called a secret rare. Like, you're only allowed to have one copy. I was like, Oh, God, I just spent $80 on each of these. Like, damn it. <laughs> right? And then here we are now. Anyway, so that is basically like how I started playing. But where this story gets totally insane,
1: right, is like, I'm playing this deck. Uh, okay, so so this it's deck. not totally insane yet, is what you're saying? No, no, no. This <laughs> okay, is where it okay. gets really, really insane. I must
0: This is like partially, we're at like 70% insane. It starts getting really, really insane, right? So like, okay, um, I'm at Comic-Con, right, in New York. And the next day there was an ARG regional in Atlantic City. Dude, and I, I actually, saw you there. <laughs> you probably saw my mom also.
1: Yep, I did. I saw both and of you there. Mom, I was yep, like and my mom I was like, this dude is in the most wild clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I
0: was at Comic-Con the day before and I was playing my ultimate box Goku. I had you know, I had my I had three eight nine or eight drop gokus in one signature you know the sig- signature goku from tournament of power or whatever i had one in my deck box okay and i had my deck box in my backpack and this is when i was making the transition well i started my youtube channel playing this game called marvel contest of champions and then i transitioned to dbs after i i had a pretty serious video game addiction in dental school because i had so much free time this is it's a Long other story. But anyway, I was making the transition and I had a choice. I could either play in the championship for Marvel Contest of Champions or I could go meet Masaka Nozawa. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go meet Masako Nozawa. So I go because I won this raffle to meet her and have something signed. Everybody's getting these posters signed, whatever. I was wearing a Victory Strike t-shirt. Like I had Awakened Power printed on a t-shirt I was wearing at Comic-Con, right? And I go up to her and I'm thinking about what to get signed. And I was like, oh my God, I have my signature Goku in my backpack. I should have her sign over Sean Schemmel's signature. So I have her sign over Sean Schemmel's signature and no. Sharpie oh on my go Oh my God, go-to. that's and wild. While she's, signing it, while she's signing it, right? And she's signing that card and I'm wearing the Awakened Power card t-shirt, right? So then I do this pose, like the you know instant transmission with a blast out and they're taking pictures of me and Masako Nisawa, right? And then I was like looking for that picture where I couldn't find it, right? Okay, so remember how I told you about that newspaper? That I bought at the Frozen movie? Okay, so a couple months after that, they announced that the Broly movie is going to come out. And I'm like, dude, I got to go to Japan to see this because I got to get the newspaper. So I go to Japan to buy tickets.
1: (laughs) No, you didn't. I go to Japan
0: eight months (laughs) before the movie to buy tickets to see the movie in eight months. (laughs) Right, I buy five tickets. I'm like, I'm sure somebody will come with me whatever. (laughs) So I I buy the tickets. I, I go back to Japan to see the Broly movie. And at the kiosk, there's no newspapers. Are you kidding me? Whatever. They have all this other cool stuff. I got a bunch of cool stuff. I was like, I figured they missed and just not made newspapers. Right. Okay. So that trips over, go home. I go back to Japan in like seven or eight months after that, my brother's on tour. My brother's a uh, EDM DJ and he was on tour in Southeast Asia and we oh, went to shit. Japan. So oh, i that's awesome. Yeah. same name space Jesus. If y'all should check him out, his music is super fire. Nice. Um, yeah. Really, really cool tracks. But we were in Japan, and I go to the Toy Animation Museum with my fiance. We go check it out, and um, they had a like a, t- t- a gift shop, right? We go in the gift shop. What do they have? Burly newspapers. There were two Burly newspapers. I was like, I'm buying these newspapers, right? So I buy the two newspapers. I bring them home. Fast forward. There's a whole great story at the end of that trip, but I'll save that for another time. We get home. I'm in my attic where I record my shrippums, right? And I nail like tons of stuff to the ceiling. Like I have papers strewn across the ceiling, like posters and wanted posters and like just art from different artists and stuff, right? So one day, this is like three months after we get back, I'm like, I should probably like start nailing some of these pages of this newspaper up to the ceiling, right? Because that's a normal thing that people do. So I start nailing pages of the newspaper up. And then I like look at this, one page, I swear, I, I screamed at the top of my lungs. Like, I have not made a noise like this, probably since, like, I was a kid and got <laughs> spooked. And my fiance's name is Joyce. She was on the phone with her mom. I hear her, like, drop the phone. She runs upstairs. She's like, are you okay? And I was, like, on the ground, like, shaking, like, pointing at the newspaper. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done. And she's like, what? Was, it was the picture of me with Masako Nazawa oh, in the Awakened Power t-shirt, getting God. the card signed. In the Broly newspaper that had been sitting in my attic for three months.
1: Dude, <laughs> Like, now <nowadays>, my feeling. <laughs> what?
0: So that's how I got into the Dragon Ball Super card game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you could not have ended that more perfect. <laughs> Just so nonchalantly. And that's how. Uh, <laughs> that might be the most wild story we've had
0: on the podcast. <laughs> wow. Thank you. I do like storytelling. And that that I I think
1: I I told probably the eighty percent version of the story. Dude. But um, but yeah. That that oh my I don't even know what to say. That was a roller coaster. Like Thank you. Holy pleasure to take you on it. Anytime, (laughs) man. Yeah. It's an honor to be here. Dude. That that is literally insane. You by far have the best story of getting into this game. My story is like, oh yes, like the, my friend told me about it, and I was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> End of story. I was not expecting this at all. Yeah,
0: I wasn't either. Honestly, it's, it was a roller coaster. I, I I was at dinner one night with my sumo buddy and um one of his friend. It was it's one of his friends he used to wrestle with. It's passed away and it was his his wife that was at dinner with us. She doesn't speak much much English. And I was kind of, you know, I speak a little bit of Japanese. I was like kind of explaining my story of like how Kony and I met and she like, she like squints and leans forward and points at me and she goes, you Rocky boy. (laughs) And I was like, yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I am. I am. I am middle name Rocky boy.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. And Dang. Well, and then, man, I mean, and then fast forward to now, your top yeah. 32, 17th place at Nats, man. That's incredible. Super 17th. Please. Super 17th. <laughs> My apologies. Uh, <laughs> dude, that's, that's amazing though. Congratulations on that.
0: Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate it. You know, I um don't like content creators that are not good at the thing that they're making content about. So I was really, really hesitant to make content about the card game. I think I'm an entertaining person, and I think regardless of what I make content about, I could make something that's entertaining for people to watch. But I don't want to just put crap on the internet. Like If I'm going to put crap on the internet, I want at least it to be able to help people get better and not just be entertaining. So I was super hesitant to like make content for the game. Um, I didn't make, start making content for the other game until I was like on the top team in the world, basically. But, um, after meeting Miguel and Johnny, actually, they, (laughs) honey, they they really helped me elevate my game. Um, I learned a lot from them. I mean, when I was playing Jared and Irvin and, uh, Daniel, like the guys that were at Nats and have done well from Arizona, I was, you know, I was, I wasn't good enough to like, I, I had good games with them and when I left there actually I was playing hide of Master Broly. I think I won like thirteen weeks in a row for like two events, which was pretty rad. But I wasn't really at the place where I was ready to like really elevate my game because I didn't understand enough about card games. I was just playing good cards and like playing good decks and doing like pretty well with them, you know? Right, right. But right. once I came back here, I didn't have a community to play with. It was around like set seven. You know, I went through, like, two sets without really playing at a Locals, and then I saw some YouTube video about, like, a Broly Button deck, and I was like, oh, people are complaining about this being $1,200? Well, I actually have all of the cards to build it.
1: <laughs> Very nice.
0: <laughs> and I, like, look at the DBS card game website, and I was like, oh, dude, there's, like, a shop, like, 20 minutes from me on Wednesday night. Like, I can make that. So I go over there, and I was playing, and I played a couple guys, In my last match, I won all my matches, and then... I played Miguel and Miguel was playing blue, yellow, Broly. And dude, the way he played was like, I've never seen anything like it. Like I've never seen people do what he did with cards. Like a card that I thought had X value all of a sudden had like six X value. In his hands. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I was like, I like, I want to learn everything from you. Like you, are, I don't care what you have to say. Like you are now my sensei and I want to learn everything about playing this game from you. And I think like, Taking that approach to like, you know, I had a little bit of a big head on my shoulders about how I had done in Phoenix previously. And like walking out of there, I had like, you know, whatever the state champ thing on my BCC ID and all that, whatever. And I was like, yeah, I'm good at this game, whatever. But like after playing with him, I was like, I have so much room to grow and I want to grow every inch that I possibly can learning from these guys. Johnny also like just really, really good players. Right. Um. And that's, and then I went to, I, I I labbed the blue Broly deck with Miguel and then I went to regionals in Chicago and I got top four at that regional and I didn't have Mira in my deck because I forgot to put him on my deck list.
1: What? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I got top four at that. Nobody else got Broly into the, into top (laughs) table. Everybody, (laughs) everybody was playing. Yeah. Everybody was playing Serge Goku. So like, that I felt really proud of. And after that happened, I was like, okay, I think I can start making content for this game. Like, I feel like I can start doing stuff. But I didn't really know what to do. And then, uh, like, I guess it was like eight or nine months ago that I really started making content. My friend came over, that was my friend from high school, and he was like, was like, dude, look at this guy. He shows me his phone. And there's this guy opening Pokemon cards, right? His name's Leon Hart. Have you heard of him?
1: I have, yep, yep.
0: Yeah, he's like a big time Pokemon opener. I'm looking at the video and I'm like, this guy seems nice. Like, he seems like he's got a positive. Wait, what? He has a 1.5 million subscribers. He's got 300,000 views on this video. Like, what is going on? I was like, this is, I do this all the time. (laughs) But it's way funnier when I do it. Why am I not making videos? Right? Like, I open an insane amount of cards. This, like, the amount of cards I open, this is not because, like, I have a YouTube channel. The amount of cards I open is because I like opening cards. I love it. I'm a monster when it comes oh, to opening I feel cards. You. Like I I I'll, I will strip them for days on end, man. And so I started doing the videos, and um, you know, I, I, I just kind of took off from there. And I think like the thing that what in the early part of me doing my videos. Um, my brother and my dad have always been like super, super critical of me. They're, they're like my most intense critics. And I credit a lot of my personality and creative ability to how hard they've been on me my whole life. And when I started doing these videos, they were like, you know what, Jonic, Like this is one of the first things that we actually think can be really cool and support you and your creativity and doing. But if you're going to do this, you should be smart about it. And you should figure out what you're doing before you just do it. Like, what is opening a pack? Why do people want to see these packs get opened? Like, what are you evoking from a biological standpoint in people when you're doing this thing, right? There's a dopamine release when we open these packs. We're looking for something. We're hunting for something. And it's so easy to open packs and be like, ugh, right? To like open and like pull out a non-foil rare and be like, ugh. But people don't really want to see that. People might want to see like, oh, like nightmare and like have some like, you know, funny reaction to like how crap it is. But people don't want to just see like people just being like minorly bummed, you know? So I don't know if you've ever noticed this in my videos, but I'm never like super negative. Always positive about what I'm doing. I'm always like looking for what's beautiful in the cards, talking about the art, you know, talking about the composition in the cards, because at the end of the day, like this is one of the most beautiful compositionally speaking and like in terms of like design and texture printing foiling like all those things this game is absolutely gorgeous
1: oh 100 i've never played a game i like as much like take the ip away of dragon ball just the cards are incredible like texturing foiling i mean it's it's i've never seen what they've done with some of these cards it's insane
0: yeah, it's it's really wild. And what's really, really cool about it is like, I'm looking at a card right now. If you look in the bottom left corner of every single Dragon Ball card, there's four words that are always next to each other. You know what they are?
1: Bandai made in Japan?
0: That's right. Every single card has that printed on it. That means that every single one of those cards is printed in Japan. And when they stamp those cards, they have a block that gets gold foiling onto it. It's pressed onto a sheet of cards. You know what else did that? What's that? Japanese woodblock printing. This Ooh, card game, I am My convinced. man did the full circle. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. I think this game is basically modern-day Japanese woodblock printing. And, you know, I have some friends at Bandai that I talked to that, you know, contacted me that sent me cards. And I'm ever so grateful to be able to strip them and share that stuff with the community. Um, but I was talking to him and I'm like, dude, like, you know, you guys, this is like modern day Japanese woodblock printing. But I think he thought about that a little bit. And before, what was it, set twelve, set 13, was that the one with the Gogeta 10 drop, the one that has the SPR?
1: Gogeta 10 drop, I think think it was 13
0: 13 right I think yeah, it was 13 yeah
1: yeah so he sent me that
0: art like the morning before it got posted and he was like hey check this out and I was like that's cool and he was like and then he sent me this painting of Jesus from like the 1300s he was like look at the composition and it was like to the point like identical composition as like a classic Western piece of art. So, and he's the guy that designs the. He would he designed the SPRs and SCRs from set ten through like I think it was set six. I think set seven. There's someone else doing or something like that. But like the fact that like they're using references like that. That's wild,
1: man. That's so like I'm sure like no one knows that either.
0: Dude, this is like if you happen to know about this game and you're playing this game, and you're collecting this game, you're insanely lucky. Like, that's what it comes down to. There is so little publicity about this game. There are so many Dragon Ball fans. How many people have you met that know about Pokemon that don't know about the card game?
1: Oh, like all of them. I do little card shows like once a month, and it's all everyone asking for Pokemon, and I watch Dragon Ball. Yeah. and They're like, "Oh, what's this? That's not Pokemon." I'm like, "Nope, it right. is not Pokemon." <laughs> right. But you then either, I show if, them, if you, and they're like, "Oh, I love Dragon Ball." And I'm like, "Yeah, they yeah. have this like dope dragon. That's dope Dragon Ball game, and you should play."
0: Yeah, exactly. And like, and you know, there will come a point. Right? How, are you familiar with the movie The Room? No, I'm not. There's this movie that's like. Um, this guy made this movie that is like probably one of the worst movies ever made <laughs> okay. but it's so bad it's like so insanely bad the writing is so bad the shooting is so bad like everything is so bad that it's genius and it has this insane cult following that's like people it is like there was another movie that was made about it like Seth Rogen and um what's his name who's the other guy in Pineapple Express well, I can't remember his name You know what I'm talking Um, about? He has a younger brother that always laughs. They made a movie like that's based on this movie. Like it's like, it's huge. Like so many, so many people know about this thing, the room now. And the guy that like made the move, the movie is like, he's like a superstar on like Instagram and he sells like underpants with his face on it. It's like, it's crazy, (laughs) but like, right. Like that was a little thing that existed and it's not like it was being continued to being produced, but it gained this cult following. And eventually enough people told enough people that it reached a titration point and it exploded. It's impossible for that to not happen with this game. It's only a matter of time. And once that point in time comes, everything that was printed before that point in time is going to be insanely valuable because this game is so heavily underprinted. So, so heavily underprinted. Especially stuff That was set one through nine. Set 10 through current, there's more. And there's going to be more after that. And there's going to be more after that. But everything before is less. And it's really hard to recognize that in the moment in time when you go on TCG player and you're like, hey, this card is pretty. It's only two bucks. I have my playset. It's fine. You know what I'm saying?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. And I mean, it's one of those things like. It's always it's always gonna be. I wish I knew. Like after it happens, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's always. So we're here to like tell that. you guys. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, hold on to those cheap SPRs. Don't trade them for your staples. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I think I think this game is, you know, uh, and and it, and actually, I what I think you responded to my post that I put up like in the middle of the night last night. That thing they're making Dude. in Dragon Ball Heroes.
1: It's that. that card? I've been watching that card for weeks now because I'm trying to find one at the right price for me to buy. What's
0: What's the price been at? Like, I don't, I don't know anything about. I I literally just found out about it last night and just okay. like
1: so a huge hit. I fangirled about this a couple of weeks ago on the show. This is for listeners. Okay. This is the Dragon Ball Superheroes um, alternate art. The secret rare. It's a, it got a parallel foiling. So there's a normal version of right. it that has like normal colors. Um, it's like you know Goku is just like regularly colored. Shenron is regularly colored.
0: It's like that iconic image of Go- Goku riding the blue Shenron, yep. and he has the power pole, and he's like looking with his like has his hand on like his forehead, looking out. It's like that. Yep. Yep. It's like on the cover of some Dragon Ball
1: whatever. It's if you yeah, see the picture. It, it's the like, cover you know of it. one of, of one of the mangas. Um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Super, super iconic. Yeah, very very iconic, very iconic art for Dragon Ball. And what they did was so they released the normal version, which is like normal colors, and then they made six parallel versions that are all Essentially like monochrome with a foiling of a specific color. So there's like a one with like a green tint foiling, a purple tint foiling, a blue tint foiling. So then I I believe it's six copies, six different colors of that. And then there's an even more rare one that is the full parallel foil version where it's like a rainbow foiling on top of it. And that was the one that you posted was the rainbow foiling one, which is like Interesting.
0: Oh God, my heart just sank because I bought two of them last night and I was like, crap, did I just buy two of the other because I definitely got the rainbow foiling one. So okay, I got okay, the one good.
1: that's like the goat one. Where where did you buy them from? ebay i always buy my eBay. dbh cards yeah. from
0: ebay it's the most it's the most it's the safest place to buy them with like the most protection i've never had an issue japanese people people that sell like if you've got you package your cards very well i have to commend you on that i get oh, very thank happy you. when thank i you. open a hermit style podcast her, uh, <laughs> package from tcg player but Um, Japanese people are, they're on like a different level of packaging, you know, like they like put their life energy, like into (laughs) sealing and containing and like making sure it gets to you like unscathed, you know? So it's a very safe place to buy your cards and Japanese people are very good people to buy your cards from. Um, but yeah, what, so what was, what's the, what's the price? Like where has it been? How is it? So it
1: started off around 700. Uh, okay. I think the highest I saw it was 900 on eBay. Okay. It's been sitting in like the fours, uh, for like yeah. probably the past week or so. It's been around in the 400s. There's been some, yeah, uh, I, like the prices I see are usually between four and 600 right now. Um, where like okay. every now and then you'll see one that'll be around like f- I think like 430 is probably like the cheapest I've seen recently on eBay, yeah, maybe 414.
0: I saw one that it was like two for four twenty five, and I was like, Yo, just you know, just take them, send yeah. Them to, probably just probably just send them to BGS, you know.
1: Yeah, I've been looking it's, at it's, using. It's a, a re- uh, I feel like it's
0: a really unhealthy thing, like when you buy NFTs. I don't know if you're into NFTs at all, but I, like I you can it, basically. But I'm curious, <laughs> just, dude. You can just you can just vaporize thousands of dollars on a JPEG. You know, like. <laughs> literally like that can happen like you can and and it's weird because it's not like it's like real money but it's not real money like it has value as real money right but it's like Ethereum. It's like okay i bought this ethereum for like i spent like twenty dollars on this like five years ago and now it's worth like four thousand (laughs) dollars so like so i'll just i'll just buy this jpeg for like Four grand, right? Like, that's reasonable. It's going to be worth six grand, maybe, right? Like, it's just, it makes no sense. (laughs) It makes like (laughs) zero sense. So, like, when I'm, you know, like when you make a purchase, you rationalize it, right? You're like, what is this worth? Is this worth the amount of money? Like, is this going to impact my ability to live a comfortable life? Like, am I putting myself in danger by making this investment, right? So, like, at 10 o'clock, 10 30 p.m., you know, I'm looking at my phone on ebay like all lights are out and i'm just like staring at this beautiful card
1: and i'm like oh man this is way less you're, this is way less than a jpeg
0: every <laughs> <laughs> time this, this is the cheapest jpeg <laughs> i've seen <This> like, <laughs> and i get to hold it <laughs> i get to hold it and i get to send it to a company to, to put it in a piece of plastic and really upset me <laughs> by putting a number that i don't want on it
1: <laughs> of course i'm gonna buy this <laughs> How could I not? No brainer. It's it's basically free. <laughs> no, I feel you, man. It's like it's a slippery slope for sure. I've been uh, I've been eyeing it. I think it may be one of my favorite cards ever printed across any card game. I just have yet to so see it in person. I
0: think that there's something bigger going on here. I think that this is something that's part of a bigger picture, and I think that. Now I've been poking my friends at Bandai to give me information. I think they're probably pretty pissed off at me now because of how much I've been asking them <laughs> because like last night, I mean, I made posts all over the internet. I'm like, please help, like bl- help me understand, like, what is this beautiful, expensive picture of Goku that I now want so badly? <laughs> right, right, like, right, right. That. Was probably the same feeling that the Japanese version of me 1,200 years ago had, or no, 300 years ago had a, <laughs> had about. Well, there probably was a 1,200 year ago version also, but you know, when Hokusai made that Kanagawa print, I was like, "Yo, I gotta get this great wave print, man!" Like, I'll pay an R. No, no, I'm joking. But I, uh, I, um, I think. Okay, so set seven, right, or Unison Warriors set 16 of the Dragon Ball Supercar game, Unison Warrior set seven.
1: Yep.
0: It's coming out in February, right? Yep, yep. And at first, there was a thing called a God Rare. And people started freaking out. And then they changed it to Campaign Rare. So DBS is doing something like this also. Because the I... Um, do you know um, Thomas Eden, Robert Thomas Eden? He's in the like Australia community. Uh, um, I don't know Super nice guy, him. but he commented on my post and tagged somebody else. And this guy has a DBH website there. He sells DBH cards from Australia. And he explained the rarity of the card. And the card is like one in 2,400 or something like that, which is like super, super rare, right? So I don't know how rare the God rare is going to be or the campaign rare or whatever you want to call it. I don't have that information. If I had it, I also wouldn't tell you, but honestly, I don't have it. Um, I feel confident that it's not going to be one per case. Yeah, I, could
1: I definitely don't see think that.
0: that. I don't think there's going to be one in every case. And I also feel confident that it's either going to be Goku or Vegeta on that card. I'm leaning towards thinking it might be Vegeta, only because DBS DBH did Goku. Did Goku? Right, right, right. So I'm think like Vegeta is long overdue for love. There is not a single Vegeta SCR. Like, there is nothing. Vegeta is an awesome character. He has a huge fan base. His character development is going in such an awesome direction in the manga. Like, he deserves some light so much right now, as much as I love Goku. And I will be thrilled if it is a Goku card. But I think, I'm... I feel like it's going to be a Vegeta card in
1: there. Yeah, I can I see that, especially, like you said, they just did Goku. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a big collector that follows heroes very closely. It is a yeah. collects on Instagram. Um, check so, him out. Yeah, def- definitely check him out. He's got a lot of cool content. Collection is one of the most insane collections I've seen. Um, cool. His... Like when you walk into his one room, there's just like literally just a pile like to the ceiling of just slabs. And I'm like, this is ridiculous, dude. (laughs) Like (laughs) And then he has like he literally just has like another pile of cards. There's at least there's gotta be a few hundred of them. He's like, Yeah, I'm just waiting to send these all off to get graded. I'm like, dude, you're a maniac. (laughs) 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 That's wild. But anyways, he was I was talking to him about this and he's followed both games very closely Dragon Ball Super and Dragon Mm. Ball Super Heroes and he's convinced that the introduction of this parallel foil means we absolutely will get it in Dragon Ball Super obviously he doesn't know but he's convinced that we will and like you said with this campaign I mean this could be it I think that's what it is
0: I think that's what it is and I think that they like okay people in Japan love numbers they're all about numbers they're all about numbers. And their jokes don't have punchlines. They're just wordplay. So, like, like, if you've watched, like, the original translation of Dragon Ball Z, when Goku goes to tell King Kai a joke so that he can get trained by him, the thing that he says is, like, my mattress got up, flew away. And, like, it makes zero sense in English, but it's some sort of Japanese word thing that, like, is kind of funny, right? Okay, so it's like this weird concept but then they also like when they can use numbers, like numbers are super important to them, right? Because like in Japanese the the characters are not just like a letter. They well they have katakana, but they also have hiragana which is a different alphabet where like the shape of the letter means more than just a word. Right? They have a limited number of words, but the way that you put the words together mean a lot more. So like Kony, my friend in Japan, like he was like, remember I, when I told you, he was like, it's my big 52nd birthday. I didn't realize that 52 is actually a huge deal to him. And the reason why is because his name is Konishiki, but he goes by Koni, And in Japanese, Go is five and Ni is two. Right. Same way with Goku, how Go is five and Q is nine. So we just saw set 11 of super Dragon Ball heroes come out, Right. Set seven of Dragon Ball Hero or DBS is the one that's going to have this campaign rare, god rare, or whatever. That's seven eleven, and both of them are, are the, the set is about like angels and gods and like all this stuff. So I think that there's something bigger going on here that we don't understand. But I think that the people that are designing this game and the, each team that's working on these different games, like they know what they're doing in a broader scale because I think this franchise has been thought out. A lot more than like something that's been created for a consistent period of time and is continued to be created right because toriyama stopped at the end of dragon ball z and then the production studio was like hey like we're still making money off this like can we just buy the rights so like whatever like let me make sure that the characters look cool so the gt right gt was like not a great story but the characters look really cool (laughs) right and then and then there's this boy out there somewhere that made this, you know, like, you know, how we have like an underground hip hop scene, right? They have like, they have like an underground manga scene. That's where like manga artists like come up. It's like in the underground manga oh, scene.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: So this, this dude wrote this manga called Dragon Ball AF. Have you heard of it? Uh, no, I with, actually like, have Super not heard of this. All right. So Dragon Ball AF takes place after GT. And the guy that wrote it, Toriyama, went and found him, and he was like, dude, you mimic my style better than anybody else. And the guy's name was Toible. He was basically like, I want you to become my apprentice. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Okay, Toible, so I, I have heard out. of
1: him, yeah.
0: Yeah, Toyotaro is Toible. Toyotaru is the one that right. does the DBS manga.
1: Okay, and then the animation
0: okay. studio does the animation. So the reason why the animation and the manga don't always link up is because it's designed so that you get both, and they fill each other in. So parts of the story are only in the manga, parts of the story are only in the animation. But what Toriyama does is he's like, okay, these are the points, right? Like Beerus is going to fight Goku, Goku's going to fall asleep, and Beerus doesn't destroy Earth because he likes the food, right? Like whatever else happens between that, you guys kind of figure out on your own, like make sure it sort of lines up. But like, these are the important p- points. I'm going to go play with my kids and watch Bruce Lee and <laughs> play with toy cards. <laughs> you know, that's basically that's so where he's cool. at. But he, uh, he's thought the story out now because he had 20 years to figure out you know, uh, what the story actually is, right. right, where the, where the universe goes. Like, it's pretty cool how the structure of the universe and like hierarchy is designed in Dragon Ball Super. It's oh,
1: man.
0: not just like, oh, there's a God on this like tower thing that sits over earth. Right. It's like, there's God's a destruction, right? Like that's a thing from Hinduism. There's an angel, which is a thing from Christianity. There's like different universes, which is from like physics, right? Like there's all these different concepts that are coming together to create this universe that is structured around this character that we love the way he is. And there is so much energy, like people, everybody lend me your energy. That's like a very real thing. Like people are lending their energy to the concept of Goku every single day.
1: Pretty wild. Dude, that is why I've just learned so much. (laughs) Cause (laughs) even like in the DBS uh, manga, like when they show the little um, things where it's like his uh, Toriyama's like corrections and it'll show like what he had to change. Like I always thought that was Mm -hmm. so cool, but now that just like put so much more depth into it from what you just told me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really, really cool how, how it's, coming together and how it's existing now. And I think we're really lucky to be able to be alive in a time where a story like this can be created, right? Because like, you know, uh, personally, I'm not really religious. I, My mom's Hindu. My dad's Jewish. I was raised around religion. I never really was like made to do religious stuff. But like, that was always a big question for me. I was like, what is the universe? Like, what is death? What is life? Where do things go? Like, how should I be? Who who should I be? How is, like, what's cool, what's not cool, right? Like, the coolest person I've ever seen as, like, a role model from a childhood to my life now, 100% Goku. That guy's the man. Like, he doesn't let people mess with his friends. He's so easygoing. Like, he literally just lives to get better at what he does. He's a really, I mean, maybe he's not the best dad. <laughs> but not a terrible death, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but it's cool that we live in a time where there isn't like, you know, religion isn't necessarily forced down everybody's throat, but you can take this path down spirituality where you get to observe the world around you and characters. And, you know, like I would definitely say that Dragon Ball is almost like a religion to me. In a sense, there's these books that I read every year that motivate me, to want to be a better person, to make the world a better place. And that's actually like why I made my name Joku, is because I really like jokes. I think jokes are the best part of being alive. I love a good joke. Like there is nothing I like more than meeting up with one of my friends and saying, hey, have you learned any good new jokes? It's actually why I became a dentist, is because I like helping people smile and if you can have an amazing smile then that's the best way to laugh at every joke it's all like you know it's a big life is a big joke you take something seriously but like joking is it's great that's why i'm joku
1: that that was next level that was that was next level that wow <laughs> That is, is it cool. all making sense yeah yeah Makes like sense. yeah <laughs> i've like thought we've gone full circle like eight times and i'm like oh shit the circle but is it's still going like a spiral like, <laughs> that just keeps going like down and like,
0: where are we going man where does this journey end i'm on this huge pirate ship and i don't know how to stop it there's just so much treasure
1: that I know.
0: and welcome to
1: the joku episode everyone <laughs>
0: I got a special order on a pallet of sweets for Jocko. Wait, aren't you Monaka? Monaka's Delivery Service. Delivery
1: service. Whew, what an episode. Wow, that was a blast. Thank you again to Joku. Obviously, we will have the second part coming out soon, so stay tuned for that. And um, like I said at the beginning of the show, stay tuned for our big giveaway and big video collab that, that will be dropping soon as well. We start... All of the videos start January 1st and all the giveaways going on now. You can enter right now. But yeah, let's, let's jump into some mailbag. I know, I know. I haven't done results of training. I need to. Guys, I haven't played. It's terrible. I really want to play. I've had an insanely busy schedule since I've been back. Um, I am playing at the Case Tournament this Sunday at Comet Kings. So there's that going. I'm probably playing Vigex because I just want to have fun. I want to play a leader that I enjoy. I'm kind of tired of playing the same decks, So, you know, I'll mix it up. Play our Vigex list. I'll probably put a deck profile of it up too because I think it's actually really sick. It was Armando's idea, and we've been working on it and refining it, and it's super, super fun. Um, There's certain matchups I definitely don't want to see (laughs) because it does have some auto-loss matchups, but it is what it is. We're just trying to have some fun. I don't... Topping really doesn't matter. It's a couple boxes. I don't really care. I just want to hang out with friends, have fun. So that's it. But gotta give the shout out to Pro Mats. Pro Mats, best mats in the game. Uh, if actually just watched Armando play on webcam last night. In that Hermit style Pro Mat. Whoo, it looked good. He was playing in top eight in a uh, some some webcam local thing. Uh, but yeah. Pro mats, guys, I'm telling you, they look good. They feel good. They're amazing. You got to pick one up. I still have some hermit style ones left. And actually, I'm starting a pre-order for hermit style cloth mats now. So if you're listening to this now, you can actually jump in on the pre-order. It's an announcement on the Discord. And it's going to be the first ever two-player cloth mat, also designed by Pro mats. I'm telling you, you can't beat their quality. Check them out, promats-customs.com. All right, but let's see what Monaka's got for us. If you haven't participated in this before, you can uh, get in the Discord, get yourself to level seven. You can earn levels by just talking and doing XP events, participating in different things we do. And once you get level seven, you will get access to the Monaka's delivery service channel and you can go in there and ask questions. And I randomly pick them to answer on the show. So let's see. Uh, Blacking out. What decks are you looking to play for fun now that Nats is over? Oh, so many decks I want to play now that Nats is over. Um, I want to play announcer. I want to play Vigex. I want to play Soul Striker. Um, I know Soul Striker is really good, but it's actually really fun too. <laughs> I just, I actually enjoy playing the deck and it looks really good. So um, those are the first three that come to mind. Um, there I think there's one other deck too. I was looking into picking up cards for, um, man, what was it? I mean, Oob's, Oob's always on my mind, but I think announcer, I've never gotten to play the reboot announcer. So that's why I said him over Oob this time. Um, but I'll, I'll leave it at those three. I'll leave it at those three. Um, announcer, Vigex, and Soul Striker. Those are the three main decks that I'm looking to play. Um, oh, baby, baby, baby's the other one. Um, I think baby's actually a really powerful deck right now. And, uh, I I honestly think that it would have been a very strong pick for Nats. Uh, I think it would have been a very strong pick for Nats after seeing the room. I can get into that more in another episode, another time though. But to answer your question, those are my my picks. Uh, Let's see. Next. Homie Check Kyle. Favorite memory from our Nats trip? Oh my God. That's such a hard question. Like so many good memories from that trip. Picking one is incredibly difficult. Um, so I will say I've, all right, I'll say two. I'll say a funny one and a more wholesome one. I'll start with a more wholesome one. One of my favorite memories was this sounds dumb. Just walking all of us to go get food in downtown Pasadena, like, just being with all the homies collectively on the night we all got in and walking to King taco. I remember I was taking a little Instagram story and Pac-Man did a shout out, but man, just being with everyone that was such like a wholesome moment. I was like, damn, we made it like, here we are. Like we've grinded all year. We have talked, we've helped each other get better. We grinded our invites and there's like 15 of us from the discord all in California from around the world. And we're just going to get tacos. Like that was so sick, but I'll give you a funny moment. Funny moment has to be the crackhead fighting Jay. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> the cra- I, I still can't say it without laughing. The crackhead fighting Jay, best best part of the trip. <laughs> oh my god. And I honestly though, I want to know if Jay will ever get his rematch. Because he's 0-1. That like, crackhead won. I got a hundred percent of their hits on JJ Jay. Jay landed zero as far as I'm concerned. So we'll, see. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see if a rematch happens. Um, but yeah, th- those are my, my two favorite memories. If you, if you missed the story of, of that whole, whole thing, I'm not going to say it again, go listen to last week's episode and uh, you can, you can get the four one one on that. Uh, all right. I'll do one more. Let's see. Um, La 36 what's a leader you'd really like to see in BT16? Ooh, a leader I'd like to see in BT16. You guys know I'm going to say Roshi or Oob, right? Like, <laughs> every time. Like, anytime you guys ask me what character, I'm literally always picking Roshi or Oob. But I'll exclude them to make this a more fair question. Uh, a leader I would like to see, not named Master Roshi, not named Oob. Hmm. You know what? Give me new Ginyu. Like we have not had a super powerful Ginyu leader since set one. And I know someone in the comments is going to talk about whatever the green Ginyu stuff is. Like that's cool. That I get it. The Deck's good, but the deck was never like winning any big tournament. It's not a hyper competitive like tricolor Ginyu set one and two. That was a hyper competitive deck. Like give me another Ginyu control leader. That would be sick. That would be sick. Like a good stuff Ginyu deck. Like let me reminisce and get nostalgic and think about four years ago when you could play five drop green go tanks and it was good. <laughs> so yeah, give me, give me a good control Ginyu leader. Let's uh let's let's see that jump in. All right, everybody, that's it. That is the show today. I hope you enjoyed it. We will be back next week. I have a very special guest as well coming on the show. You know what? I'll announce it now. We've got second place Jared Lopez, who took Android 16 at the North American finals to second place. He's coming on the show to talk all about his time at Nats. I can't wait for that. I'm actually about to record him now. So, definitely stay tuned and of course we've got the second part of our joku episodes lots of big things happening with that we'll see you next time